Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Coming in live. Live. Live from where? From Washington, D.C. Ooh, our nation's capital. Our nation's capital. I just walked by the church where Trump did the thing with the... uh, With the Bible? With the Bible. (laughs) And I was standing there trying to get people to... (laughs) I was standing there with my hand like that. People would just like walk by and laugh. Like I stood there with with the people like they walk by and laugh. Oh, uh, before we get started, do you have an apology to make to me? I do not. I'll just bring this up. It turns out Rachel was wrong about the passport thing, 100%. (laughs) She was 100% wrong about the passport thing. And this is a lesson for the Thought Warriors. Okay. All I did was ask a question. And my question was derided by Rachel Lindsay. No. Yes, it was. Even you acknowledged that your first question was stupid. Your words. But it's not stupid. Because it's actually you a thought thing. that too. But and you made that you made that comment as well. I know. But here's the thing. This reiterates there's no such thing as a stupid question. Because guess what? Some <laughs> of our intrepid thought warriors out there sent me evidence that you can in fact have pages sewn into your passport. Two different people hit me up and gave me two different examples of times that they've had pages sewn to their passport. So, Rachel, you were so sure. I was. Loud and wrong. And why was I sure? I have no clue. Why why was I sure? Because. Because what? I was basing it off of 2013 knowledge, Mm -hmm. which neither one of those people who sent you that can confirm that that was the case. Those were the rules in 2013. And the last time I I got a passport was 2013. So I was giving you... I was giving you information from from my experience of getting a passport, which was all I asked. All I asked was eight years ago. Do it, and you didn't say. I don't know. Maybe you can. You were like, "Ha ha! You're stupid." I did not. (laughs) I did not. All right, we are back. Uh, Missing white woman syndrome. Gabby Patino's body was found. Uh, Obviously, this was like a big deal. Everyone was talking about this. It was a huge deal. Um, obviously there was a lady that went missing. Uh, her body was found. She is white. Now police and authorities are investigating her her fiance for her disappearance, which it's always like the fiance or somebody close to the fiance, like always the fiance. So it always is. It's always like the boyfriend or the husband or someone. It seems like that's, that's always the the first person of interest, right? That's why you got to keep, keep your woman safe. Keep your woman safe. Make sure she's safe. Because if something random happens, they're going to look at you anyway. You have to go the extra mile to keep her safe. Also because you love her. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like waiting for the rest of it. I'm like waiting for the shoe to fall. Like what are we going to keep? <laughs> um, but Joy, Joy Reid, uh, who's been in the news lately, had something to say about this. She referred to something called MWWS. That is Missing White Woman syndrome missing white woman syndrome uh what do you think about this this is obviously missing white woman syndrome is uh the belief that and we've seen this before that when it's a white woman that goes missing or is the victim of foul play that america holds its breath like she is a baby that fell down a well 
Um, but black, indigenous, gay, trans people go missing all the time, and America doesn't bat an eye. Do you think that there's mm-hmm. any truth to missing white woman syndrome? Of course it's true. And it doesn't take you long to do a Google search to realize that what Joy Reid is talking about, one, has been discussed before. She didn't create the term. It was recreated by a black woman journalist, Eiffel, and I cannot remember the, what's, her, what's her first name. I'm just totally forgetting it right now. Erasing her. Gwen, 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 Gwen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Did you know? No, I had no clue. <laughs> Why are you over here checking me? I'm a, I have um, no clue. Yeah. But it's something that that has been discussed before. It's not new. And I think it's very important that Joy brought it up because I think it's important for people to realize that you can discuss both and it doesn't discredit what happened to Gabby. It's just pointing out that there's an issue. It's like when people say black lives matter and people get all up in arms and it's like, they're not saying that your life doesn't matter or only black lives matter. It means that black lives matter too. And the point of Joy bringing up that missing white woman syndrome is a thing is because she's saying that the reason this is a syndrome is because there are other lives that don't even become discussed, who don't matter when it comes to them missing. And listen, Gabby's life mattered. Getting justice for Gabby matters, but it also matters to highlight and get justice for all the other people of color that are missing, not just people of color, like you pointed out, because the media doesn't give them the same attention and they seem to be fascinated when it comes to a white woman and what's going on with her rather than all these other people that are missing. And the problem too is that unless you know someone directly impacted because they they know somebody who's missing or it's their relative, their friend, then it's almost as if you don't realize that there's this problem out here because it's out of sight, out of mind, because it's not being brought to our attention. And so that's why I applaud Joy for talking about this because it is something that is an issue because often when people of, of color or of these, these underrepresented communities are reported missing, police label them as runaways or maybe suggest that they're involved in some type of criminal activity and they don't, these cases fall through the cracks and already police don't, I feel like don't uh, put that much attention towards missing people. The, the units are small when it comes to searching for them. And then if the, all the fascination or all the attention is put on white women, then you can imagine all the other underrepresented communities that are going to fall through the cracks. So I think this is a real thing. I think it's something that needs to continue to be discussed. And I think that we shouldn't be afraid to discuss it just because some people get upset by it. You just have to separate the two that it doesn't mean you're not honoring or recognizing what happened to Gabby. It just means there's a lot of other cases that need to be recognized as well. So that's my issue with what Joanne Reed said. I don't have an issue with the discussion of missing white woman syndrome. Um, It's not something I even knew was actually uh, termed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, it's certainly something that obviously has a incredible amount of validity to it. And it's mm-hmm. something, it's another one of those things that you know it without knowing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just tell it. We talk about it all the time. Where are our girls? I get, I get, I get messages all the time from people saying, Hey Van, this person is missing. Can you retweet this or put this up to, to we're trying to find her. I will say this though, for me personally, if I'm being real, I did think it was in poor taste, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay. it, it, and I didn't see what Joanne Reed was 
I didn't see the actual broadcast. When she did this broadcast, when she talked about this, did she attach this to a specific instance of a specific person that we need to find that was black? I don't believe so. Meaning, did she say, did thing. she say, here's so and so and so, they've been missing for a for a very long time and we need to find them. Let me tell you why that makes a difference to me. It makes okay. a difference to me because like Gabby Petito's family is actually grieving. Mm-hmm. Like they actually like she's dead forever. And I, I just get weird about this kind of stuff. Like she's dead. She's gone in the most mm-hmm. tragic and weird way. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is a bigger issue to discuss, but I always personally feel, and I've talked about this in the past that when people are in mourning or are remembering something and for whatever it is that mm-hmm. as a human being, it's important to give that oxygen now. I, and so what I'm saying is to me, I feel like we're getting into a weird place. If are, are we being inundated with the Gabby Petitos and not other people? Sure. Of course we are. Of course we are. Mm-hmm. Like, I get attached to the actual human tragedy surrounding it. And I'm like, all right, Mm -hmm. well, everybody's upset about it for whatever reason that they're upset about it. If I'm going to have this conversation, I think it's more constructive way to have the conversation and to give the, use the platform to give the example of a black person who is missing of a black person, somebody who we can actually save or a family we can help bring closure to, and then have a discussion about why we haven't heard about that because to go in on it and bring up the white woman syndrome while everybody is talking about Gabby Petito, it mm-hmm. feels like content. And, and for me, hmm. just to, just to be real with you, for me, it's distasteful because whether or not they're aligned with a million years uh, or thousands of years or hundreds of years, it would be hundreds of years, hundreds of years of white supremacy and we all know that that colors everything that we talk about. There's still people who are genuinely hurt that this person, a seemingly innocent person, I don't know what she was doing in her life, is dead. Mm-hmm. And when somebody is actually dead, when there's a body, it's always weird for me as a human being to be like, hey, but just to let you know, when this happens to us, it's not the same thing. It's not saying that, the, that it's not something that needs... That not saying mm-hmm. that it's not something that happens or that you shouldn't say it, of course. And by the way, sometimes you have to do things that aren't, aren't in perfect taste to get your message out. But mm-hmm. I always kind of think, all right, just give it a beat for the actual dead person. And like, just it's a sad story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a mm-hmm. sad story. So just give it a beat before we before we talk about the politics of it. And then we can go we can go into it deeper a little bit when it doesn't hurt people. Now, every time I say mm-hmm. that, always, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a great guy, an amazing guy, an amazing author. His name is George. George Johnson on Twitter. George Johnson, amazingly fierce, unapologetic black gay man. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. When Nip passed away, Nip dies, and then George talks about or writes about some homophobic things that Nip had said like while he was alive and Nip and D-Ray had a back and forth and, you know, George was talking about it. And I remember I called him. I was like, I was just so hurt when Nipsey passed away. Knew the guy. LA, he was a big, huge thing. I just called George. I'm like, yo, man, can you give, like, it's just a lot of people are hurting. Can you give us a little second to catch our breath before we talk about 
the shitty times that Nip has had in his past. He's like, no. He's like, no. He's like, while we give you guys time to catch your breath, we're dying. Can't do nothing but respect it. Can't do nothing but respect mm-hmm. it. But at the same yeah. time, if it's me, just on a human level, mm-hmm. maybe I hit the pause button real quick. Let people get their tears out before I start reminding them who else they need to cry about. So I think what you're saying makes sense. I look at what Joy was doing in a completely different way. Mm. I understand what you're saying about the grieving, but I think that first thing I said when I started talking about this, I think you can discuss both without discrediting what happened to Gabby, without being disrespectful to her family, because there's never a good time to talk about missing white women's women's syndrome without attaching it to the missing white woman, to the person who is getting the attention and then talking about those who don't. If Joy were to just do a random segment of talking and bringing up Natalie Holloway or someone else that we're familiar with, another case that got a random, um, uh, not random, another case that got a lot of attention and then talking about all the one, the cases that don't and the people who are underrepresented that don't get attention, it's still you're it's still going to be you're talking not you're talking about Natalie and her family is never going to get over what happened. You know what I mean? Like the grief is still always going to be there. They lost someone. It's not That's a fresh. tragedy. They it's can not, never get it's, it. It's not fresh. They can never though, get it back. Right. But I feel like the reason that she's doing it now is because she's attaching it to a story that's in the news right now. Mm. I don't think she's taking away from Gabby at all, acknowledging what happened. But she's also saying, that's why I gave the Black Lives Matter example, because it's not saying your life doesn't matter. It's just saying our lives matter too. So while I have your attention, because I'll tell you exactly what I did. When I saw what Joy did, then I Googled it. And then I saw that CNN has a whole story of different cases of missing people. I saw indigenous, um, this is now has an excellent video right now on their social media of a journalist talking and um, she's an indigenous woman who's talking, a journalist talking about all the women that have, um, the number of women that are indigenous that have been missing and that there's no media attention brought to it. So I went down this dark hole seeing all these people and it brought awareness to it. And the only reason I started doing it is because I started looking up what Joy Reid was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like because we all have our attention around this case right now, she's using this as an opportunity to to gather your attention to an additional issue as well. And right. I think you can do both without, cause I'm still thinking about Gabby and I'm still thinking about her family and I'm thinking about how hard it must be as new information continues to come out and everyone has an opinion and the media is continuing to go around and round and round with the story and it's constant. It's on play 24 seven. I'm thinking about them. I'm also thinking about the people who've never gotten that whose kids have been missing for years mm-hmm. and it seems like the local authorities don't care. So right. I, I just feel like you can do both, but so, I understand what you're saying. So if it, if it were my sister, I would feel minimized. I would, I, if it were my sister, I would, if it were my sister, I would feel minimized. I would feel minimized and I would feel like maybe I wasn't given the space to put, get my arms around it. You, you know, you could turn it to another station and you would. Right. Because everybody's covering. No, I, Joy's I, the only person talking about that. No, I, I get it. Well, you know, so I guess what we'll do right now is we'll give you actually once again, because I think especially in situations like this, it's less about actual concepts and more about actual people. 
So there are actual people out there. Daniel Robinson, 24, was last seen leaving a job site in Buckeye, Arizona on June 23rd, was reported missing later on that day. He was driving a 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade. You have Jelani Day and Daniel Robinson, who are uh, Daniel Robinson is a guy who I just talked about. Jelani Day is a 25-year-old Illinois State University graduate student. I actually had somebody reach out to me about this one. It was reported missing by his family and a faculty member August 25th, and that's according to the Bloomington Police Department. So um, there are a lot of people out there, and what we'll try to do is make sure that we maintain the energy and actually change that because uh, the laws of the land and the uh, focus and the energy that is devoted to one person's story should be devoted to all of our stories. A life is a life. And I just ask for everyone to have compassion about people who pass away sure. and die and stuff. All right. Uh, Nicki Minaj. Did you see this? Nicki Minaj's yeah. uh, Nicki Minaj's husband's accuser was on El the Real. Is it El Real in Spanish? Would it be El Real? Because it's the real. Sure. <laughs> Could I get away with calling it El Real? Well, is real? I mean, real is an English word. How, what is real in Spanish? What is real? Why? You should know this. I know. I know. You're like, I know. You're like, you, like, you, I know. You are the one that <laughs> should know disappointing. The, the answer to this question. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so it's verdadera. <laughs> so it could be masculine or uh -huh. feminine so what's the so name of the it, show in it's Spanish? either l or la is it a fem is the show feminine or masculine i would say the show is feminine so it's la la, la. Real. so it's la real i guess so that's what we're going Love with it. so in english or in spanish uh Nicki minaj's husband ain't shit uh Kenneth Petty. <laughs> I just heard what you said. I got to be That nigga ain't shit, man. Kenneth Petty <laughs> is his name. A woman named Jennifer Huff said on during an appearance with The Real, she heard she was on there with her lawyer, uh, Tyrants mm -hmm. A. Blackburn. She wanted to speak up. To, she wanted to speak to the public because she's tired of being afraid. So in case you guys didn't know this about Kenneth Petty, who is Nick Minaj's husband, back in the day, he was not accused. I said that earlier, and that is not fair because she is not an accuser, and this is not to detract for, for, from accusers. She is a victim. Kenneth Petty went to jail for this. All right. So uh, back in the day, he was, a, he was convicted for attempted first-degree rape. Now, I don't know legally what – so at first it was a rape charge that he had caught, but I guess then he pled down – to attempted first degree rape can you help me understand it at all like it's just like like an attempted murder like you tried to do something so it was a lesser included included charge i guess so uh, did he plead down? did they go to trial that's what i don't know he was convicted i know that but he I was convicted like he was convicted take a plea deal so here it he is take a plea deal oh no 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 shoot i think he, he says he was convicted in April 1995 for the 1994 assault of Jennifer Huff, he was convicted of attempted first degree rape. And I want to say that he maybe had just a, a rape charge at first, but he pled down to that. In any case, he went to jail. Uh, he was gone for a while. And now what she is saying is that 
in the wake of this in order to clean that up to take heat off of Nicki Minaj. Obviously, people know that Nicki Minaj is married to somebody who is a convicted sex offender. Mm -hmm. And to take heat off of Nicki Minaj, they have been pressuring her to do different things. I read an account that said that she was she's saying that she was being pressured to recant the entire story. And Mm -hmm. this is why they were doing that. She says on the reel, actually, you know what? Let's play a little sound of her on the reel. Yeah. I feel like um, the actions that were were taken um, in regards to this whole situation have put me in a different type of fear at my age now. And it was was wrong. And I don't want to be afraid anymore. So the only way not to be afraid is to can you is to continue to speak up. Okay, she goes on to describe the incident with Kenneth Petty saying, I knew what he wanted. He pushed me down on the bed. We wrestled for my clothes. She says he then stood up in a nearby mirror and said, I'm the man. I'm the man. Your thoughts? Nikki is wrong here. Okay. Oh, you think? (laughs) Nikki's wrong here. Nikki, I don't know what Nikki's doing. It happened and he was convicted. And I don't understand why she's trying to minimize or justify what happened. There was no need for Nikki to speak on this situation publicly because what she's doing with her comment, she is in essence calling this victim a liar. Oh, well, so what did Nikki say? I missed what Nikki said. She, she responded to this interview or she, did she Not say the something interview. prior? She said something prior. Okay. She said that it was, it was, they were in a relationship. Nikki said, when Petty's conviction was publicized on social media years later, Minaj claimed that the woman, the victim, and Petty were in a relationship and Mm. that Petty was 15 at the time. Mm. So Nikki is is saying, telling a different story than what this victim is telling. So she is in essence calling her a liar because she's saying that they they were in a relationship as if it was consensual and it wasn't a rape. So she's minimizing what this victim went through. And my thing is like, Nikki, you married this man, you married him and all that comes with that. And that includes his past sexual assault conviction. Marrying him doesn't give you the reason to try to recreate the past. Nikki wasn't there. She doesn't know what happened. So to emphatically speak on a situation she was not present for, I feel like is uncalled for, it's disrespectful, and it's completely inappropriate to this victim. I mean, I get the whole stand by your man, but in this situation, this is not, this is not what she needs to be doing. And I just... Sure. You can just leave it right there. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you very much. That scared me. So a, lot of, a, a lot of people. Is your door have, open? No, like they come in. A lot of people have gifts for me. Uh, they come. They're like, remember? Remember? Like some gifts people. for you? Yeah. A lot of people come into the hotel. Like, look, I got. They gave me some peanuts and some chocolate. They wrote me a letter that says, hey, Mr. Lathan, we are thrilled to have you stay with us on your first trip back to D.C. in quite some time. I don't even know how they knew Why that. Why do they know your business like that? I don't even know how they fucking knew that. How did they know that? And it's true. Yeah, like, see, it went from accepting nice gifts to, like, why are they all up in your why business Why my, like my that? shit is, is we hope that you have a wonderful stay. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything. Boom. And they left some frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love a biblical reference. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. You were saying. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I really hate that this woman had to come on national TV and defend herself and her reputation all over again. I, I cannot even imagine what she went through back then. It was traumatizing for her to go through it, then have to go through the whole him getting convicted, whatever the procedure was. I don't know if there was a plea deal. I don't know if there was a trial. She had to relive it then. I'm sure she had to tell her story to the police. You know what I'm saying? And then now she's got it. Years later, she's got to do it all again, but on a public platform because Nikki is in essence calling her a liar. And I just feel like Nikki didn't consider this woman at all in her statement. And she was only selfishly focusing on her man and their reputation as a couple. Yeah, Nikki's Shame feeling, on her. Nikki's feeling the heat. And so in the fact that Nikki's feeling the heat, it seems as if they're going through they're going through great lengths to uh to clear her her name or to clear his name to her her fan base, which is, you know, incredibly those ladies. She has a she has a female lady fan base. And I'm sure for people who are not barbs and who are on the outside of it, it's difficult to reconcile the fact that uh that Nicki Minaj is married to someone who has this in his history. So this is what I'll say. There's only one way to make this worse. If you're if you marry a guy and the guy has a sexual assault conviction in his past that everyone knows about that's very public and you are uh, um, a public figure. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you, obviously she loves him. Maybe she feels that he is changed or that he is bigger than what he was. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't speak. Mm-hmm. She, they've known each other for a long time. Maybe she feels like she knows something. I don't know. I have no clue. Um, But Nicki Minaj, like you said, marrying him is one thing. The only way to make it worse is to re-victimize the victim, to mm-hmm. abuse her again. Mm-hmm. To make her relive emotionally the trauma of having what she was and who she was put in danger uh, for something that somebody wants to get from her. In the mm-hmm. case with Kenneth Petty back in the get the day, it was her body, and now it's her silence, or maybe not her silence, her statement that it never happened. So essentially, they're assaulting her again if what she says is true. So if he would have chosen atonement here and maybe that's something that you can never atone for. And I get and understand that. I'm sure that it is, but if they would have chosen in any way to, if they're going to speak about it at all, speak about the hard work that you have to do or what you have to do or how you're going to make the world, the world safe for victims before like lean into it. That's one thing. But if they're using these type of bully ball tactics against her, I can't think of a worse way to handle this. And I'm interested to see what Nicki Minaj will say in the aftermath of this. And I'm interested to see if people can keep the energy of actually making this a thing. If this is going to be a thing, I just want to know how long for. Is this going to be a thing for the weekend? Is it going to be a thing for a week? Is it going to be a thing for two weeks? Uh, I would bet money right now that Nicki doesn't say anything about it. I, I was going to say, I don't think she's going to say a thing. And I and I love what you said about people keeping the same energy because the same way people want to get on to us for talking about like a Chris Brown for doing something problematic or whoever else it is. And and, and rightfully so. They've done problematic things. You know, so Brown. is Nikki at this point, too. Yeah. So is Nikki. Yeah. So let's not let her off the hook either. Woo! Is that a get em rage? That might be a get em rage. Well, I just, it's so, it's so, I, I hate this woman have to rage. come on. 
That's, That's a, a half get him. I just hate this woman had to come. I cannot Felt believe she for had her. to come on TV and defend herself. Felt it's bad infuriating. For her. Totally believable. Totally believable. I felt bad for. No, no, no. When I say believable, I don't mean about the old allegations. Because remember, she made a bunch of new allegations. She said mm-hmm. that Nicki Minaj, just just so people know before we go. Oh, about this, the recanting. Yeah, yes, this yes. woman is saying that Nicki Minaj, that they gave her $20,000 to try to buy her silence or buy a different version of her story. And then when that was rebuffed, that she was told the $20,000 was going to go on her head. So we're not talking about like some some doxing on the uh, on the internet or any of those other things that celebrities do when they get mad at you. We're talking about she says that she is in fear for her safety and that she is under attack from Nicki Minaj's camp. And of course, she's not going to be under attack from the fan base as well. So if that is... 20,000? 20,000, That's yeah. it? That's thought, all they tried to give her? I thought her? about that too. Are you but kidding I, but me? But you know, I'm going to be honest with you. The disrespect but, but, but I'm going to be real with you. 20 G's? But, oh, Rach, but Rach, though, I want to. I, I thought about that, but I, then I thought about something else. What? We're kind of talking about that from a certain lens. You know, I know guys in Baton Rouge that'll kill you for a thousand dollars. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? I meant the fact that not the killing part. Right. No, no, but I'm just saying. Not to dismiss that. I'm right. just saying I can't believe that that's the amount that she offered well, her. I know, like, but what I'm what? saying is, you know, what I'm saying is to a lot of people, that's a whole shit ton of money is what I'm saying. So like. Okay. You know people that would kill for a thousand dollars? Oh, my I do. God. I do. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Like I know people, I know people that have told me, whatever. I know people that have kill you. Like, let's hey, bro, take a break. hey, bro, let's hey, take- yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. All right. Up next, fantastic interview. Fantastic. You love her. We love her. She is the first black lady on the Real Housewives of New York. She also is a contributor for Fox News. She also is the host of Black News Tonight on Revolt. Maybe a future co-host of The View. Maybe. Maybe. We are going to be joined by Ebony K. Williams when we come back. One second. We have an amazing guest on Higher Learning today. She really is a Jill of all trades. When I tell you this sister is diverse, multifaceted, she can go from Fox News to uh, Revolt to the Real Housewives, all in one day. I don't, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think there's anybody else that can give you those three. I don't think anyone can give you Fox, then to Revolt, then to the Real Housewives. I'm talking about Ebony K. Williams. I am so happy to have Yay! you on this show today, Ebony K. Williams. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Rachel. I'm I'm a big fan of the show. Um, I remember when y'all first launched, I was, uh, you guys had an interview. I won't say who it was, but it, it, let's just say between the interview and the questions y'all were able to extract from the guests, y'all were in my head. So I'm really mm. excited to be here, Ooh. to be here today. Yeah. And, and, and just <laughs> chat it up. Let's get into it. So let's talk about the Real Housewives first. So many questions. I have a lot of questions. You know, I'm a super fan, so I have so many questions. You know, when you first got on the Real Housewives, I thought people was capping. I thought they were like, uh, like when they said Ebony K. Williams was going to be on the Real Housewives, I was like, no, she wouldn't. And in my mind, you know what I said? I said she would never do that. (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) 
So yeah, everybody and, said that, man. And I yeah. said, do you know Ebony K. Williams? I was like, she's going to be on the Rosas of New York. I was super excited. Oh, I love that, Rachel. Can I just say before we get into Roni, as um, I'm just obsessed with Blackness, and I'm obsessed with mm. Black women, and I'm obsessed with representation. So obviously your historic run as the first oh. Black Bachelorette. I mean, no, I'm very serious. I believe in giving people their flowers while they can smell and see them. Um, you know, I never missed a moment. And what I loved, Rachel, that we have in common is, I, you know, and I say this humbly, you know, there's so many representations of Black women that are, are kind of limited into how they allow us to be in our mm -hmm. Black womanhood. Mm -hmm. So you coming into the space, yes, as a bachelorette, looking for love, but also having your legal background, being an attorney, coming from a family of distinguished professionals in the Black community. That was just dope as fuck to me. I just want to oh, say that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate Bro, and, that. that means and, and, you guys, and you guys have, when I think about it, you guys have a lot in common when you're when you're looking at that, it's like it it, it it's you were the first uh, black woman on the Real Housewives of New York, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rachel was the first black woman on The Bachelor. Yeah. What is it, what was it like being the first? Well, I'll, I'll speak to my experience because it was unique from Rachel's in that I was in an ensemble cast, right? So mm -hmm. I'm in an ensemble cast of all white women who are also veterans of their franchise with the exception of Leah McSween. So I would say, and, and we kind of saw this play out last um, on last night's episode of Girl Housewives of Beverly Hills with Garcelle Bouvet, uh, the, the great Haitian queen. And I was just texting with her before our conversation. Uh, this notion of fit, a black woman being expected to fit into a white normative space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has challenges uh, that are obvious and some that are not so obvious, um, including the fact that as talent on these shows, which I know Rachel will speak to in a moment, um, we are more empowered than most on set. And as such, um, I know I felt, I've heard you speak about this in an interview, Rachel, I know you'll get to it in a second. There is also a, a noble responsibility that mm -hmm. we have as the visible black face to make sure that everything around us is copacetic, as we yeah. say where I'm from. You know what I mean? But go, go ahead. So those were some of my challenges. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Well, I wasn't right. asking her. I wasn't she, asking He her. wasn't asking me, but you're right I was about- asking, I was, I was <laughs> asking was, her. Well, I want to know what she thinks, Dan. But no, you're right. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, I echo your sentiments. And as I watched you on The Real Housewives, which you were, I, I honestly, I could not have done what you did and with- and like keeping your composure in the way that you did, which is also the struggle that we have is that we have to make everybody feel comfortable around right. us. And I can only imagine what it is that you were going through in certain mm -hmm. situations, which we'll get to. But you and I, we spoke through email because there yes. was a situation that you had. And when I was on The View, which is another thing I want to talk to you about, um, mm -hmm. they we, we discussed that about someone called... Mm -hmm. Fan, I know you don't watch Real Housewives, but one of the housewives called her angry. She said angry, right? Yeah. She said angry or aggressive yes. or something like that. She it's said angry. Disgusting. She said okay. angry. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me not put words in her mouth. She said angry. And I talked about my own experience. And sadly, both of us being the first had to mm -hmm. deal with being 
that we can walk the straight line and do everything right. But somehow, because you got to get placed into one of these stereotypes, we get yep. placed into angry because we're strong and we assert ourselves a certain way mm -hmm. and we're independent and we uh, we speak well and all and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so don't, I, don't, I, for, don't forget, Rachel, in, in just the next scene over, I was also called articulate. Oh, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. And, and we never saw her again. We oh, never saw her again off the show. Did they do clean and articulate? Or did it just hit you with oh, articulate? They, they, Artic they, didn't so articulate. The, they didn't pull the full on, um, who was that dumbass? That was, that was um, Joe Biden. What, Joe Biden? <laughs> but, yes, I was going to say Joe Biden and also the, the one from Vegas. But yeah, but anyways, yeah, it, it was, it was. The full statement, y'all, was, has anyone ever told you, you are so articulate? And it's like, child, you know, I went through all of law school, had a national broadcasting career, and published a book, and I never heard it. It's amazing. Mm, and yeah. this is coming off the heels of that woman bragging about how, kind of like how down she is, because she worked with Diddy and all of this stuff, and then turns right around and calls her articulate. Go ahead. I want to I want to ask a straight up question. Mm -hmm. Real Housewives, are there racists on that show? Yes, I have to be honest in the sense of, <laughs> are there Real Housewives on my cast that hold anti-Black sentiment? Yes. yes. The answer is yes. Yes. More than, more than <laughs> one? More than one? I don't think more than one, actually. I think the other is uh, uh, her issues are more convoluted. I think she has issues with women in general. So I would say it's not isolated to the anti-Black sentiment in the way at least one castmate has, has displayed themselves. So I'm not even going to ask the obvious follow-up question, which is which one of the castmates would this we be? We know. I know. I, I know. <laughs> but what I'm, going to, what I'm going to ask is how did it present itself to you that mm. you can make that statement so declaratively? Like what was shown to you so that you can yeah. say that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And and Rachel will, will really be able to, to kind of echo my analysis as an attorney. So I really did come into the experience with a full clean slate. Although I am an admitted Roni day one fan, I know enough about the business to know what you see is not always a, 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 a direct parallel to who people are. So I, I control all deleted all that I thought, all the other stuff I suspected. And I truly went into this experience with an open mind and heart. And I basically, and I do this on to everybody, black, white, or other, um, started my dossier. Day one of filming. You know, and when I when I start the file on you and y'all, you know, Van, you've been had a file, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm with it. You with it? You with the shits? Um, so you you know that's 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 how I roll. Um, in life, everybody gets, and I start collecting evidence. I let you tell me who I am, y'all. I don't make assumptions. I don't speculate. I don't jump to conclusions prematurely. I let it breathe, and I knew because we were going to be filming this show for, gosh, it ended up being four months of real time because of COVID delays. I would have ample opportunity to put information in the file that would allow me to one day answer the question so directly, succinctly, and uh, just without hesitation as I was able to do because I've seen enough. I've seen enough in front of the camera 
I've seen enough when the cameras go down. I've seen enough of what happened when we were filming. I've seen enough as to what's happened since the shows have been airing to be able to reach conclusions of who does and does not hold um, anti-Black sentiment. You know, I was just thinking. What you thinking, Messi? I no, I was thinking. I was thinking. I'm (laughs) I'm blessed to be surrounded in my life with such amazing, strong black women. It's just fun (laughs) watching y'all do this right now. This is why dossier and all of that. I I love. (laughs) I love the fact that you're not taking no shit. Rachel don't take no shit. It's good. (laughs) Fuck them. Um, I do. I I, like. I have a question, and this might be unfair but i'm not asking anyway i was just wondering i've worked in all white spaces before i think people know yes i've kind of only worked in all white spaces anyway <laughs> uh, 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 no, I, i've worked with diddy got my own production company we all we black whatever but uh so question is was yeah. it was it easier to be black at fox news or was it easier to be mm, black on the real housewives i personally found it easier to be black at Fox News. I'm going to tell you why, because it's, wow. it's got a caveat. It's got a caveat. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's got a caveat. Okay. It's, not, okay. It's, not, it's not because the conditions were better. Right. I want to be clear about that. It's not because the conditions at Fox News were better or more favorable. They were not. But there was a better understanding of where their values were. Like Fox News is a 20 plus year old organization. No one's unclear as to the value system of Sean Hannity. No one's unclear around the values. And I, and I don't mean that in a Gotcha. No, I understand. I mean, we we just, we just know what we know where we Hannity know stands. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. We know what it is. We know, we know how O'Reilly and them, and I did O'Reilly show weekly. Oh, let me be clear, you know, disgusting moral behavior, but the man was an advocate for me professionally. That was why I was hired by the network. But I knew where Bill was on the issues. So when I would go into the studio every day, y'all, and I would be going back and forth with him about deferred prosecution or Loretta Lynch on the tarmac talking to every, every, I know where the pieces of the puzzle are on the table. Mm -hmm. So I know how to navigate it accordingly. What was difficult about Real Housewives of New York Many of my castmates were hostile towards showing their hand. There was hostility around being clear on their positioning of certain value issues. And I want to be clear, y'all, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about Ramona or Luann or Leah or Sonia. I need to know where you are on the tax code. Bitch, I don't give a fuck where you are on the tax code. I don't give a fuck what you think about. I don't, I don't care what you think of the, the, the Iran nuclear deal. I don't care about those. those, those. No, but man, you think, you're laughing, but that's, that's politics. That's politics, right? Right, right, right. I, I, I need to know where you are on the liberation of people that look like me. Word. I need to know where you are on that issue. So now I know how to navigate our friendships. That's all. Well, the problem too is the other person of color on your cast. You had you, you didn't know where she stood either. Right. I'll say her name, Rashawn. You didn't know where where her allegiance was. I was quite confused. I'm not even quite sure if she was a housewife or not. She was not. Here's my. Um, and that's I mean that's just and that only matters in this way, Rachel, in the sense that 
I actually had far less time with Vershawn. So mm -hmm. there was, like I was talking, you know, kind of jokingly, but very literally about the time I took to inform my file system. Mm -hmm. I had such limited time with Vershawn because she was not a full-time housewife. That made it even more difficult to understand uh, her positioning. Does that, if that make sense? Now, yeah. would you guys describe her, because I didn't see the show, would you guys describe her as one of the real house niggas of New York? <laughs> Mm -mm. Oh, not, he couldn't wait to say something. He couldn't wait to say something. That's the second look, time you've done that like, in this episode. Look, look, look I couldn't. <laughs> actually, we can take that out. But like, uh, yeah, we, we're not doing that. Oh, oh, we're not doing that. Oh, no, sir. We love dogs around here. Just a joke. Let me ask you this, Ebony. You're messy. Do you feel support from the show? Do you feel like you were supported? during your season i yes the direct answer is yes now okay did every single person in every single moment be no but that's not reasonable right i think when the shit hit the fan and when i asked things of my production company my network um and also like my own personal support system because i, I want to really talk about how important that is like when you and i can only imagine the conversations you were having rachel with your friends, family, colleagues, while you were filming and while it aired, that support is, is important too. You know, so when I asked for space, I got space. When I, when I needed a listening ear, I got that. When I went to the network and production company and said, I need an opportunity to speak to the angry black woman trope. And I need to do it in a way that's um, cred highly credible. I got support by way of that USA Today piece. Gotcha. You know, I, I got mm -hmm. support with them helping me place that in a highly visible, highly credible space. So I think those things are important. And I think that those when those calls were made, they were answered accordingly. Um, also, I'm glad you had a support system because, you know, I was stripped from everything when I was filming. So my right. only system was mm. a sea of people who did not look like me. Every mm -hmm. producer, every executive that I was dealing with was white so i'm so glad you had support like y'all don't get y'all can at least keep your phones and your friends yes, and your yes. family and I all of that which is great about that rachel but mm. yeah you were just, oh my god that's so so isolated. i was explaining to them what it was to be black while trying to navigate mm. the show trying mm. to find love and saying like oh this is this which yeah that's and you had to you had to live on unseasoned chicken the whole time because there wasn't no black people around <laughs> that's not true and have no chicken <laughs> They didn't know what to so do. Stupid. That's not <clears throat> so, so stupid. <clears throat> so my question for you is, uh, I'm, I'm gonna move off Housewives for a second. You, you, I, I, I was picking at you a little bit earlier, or just not picking at you, but remarking about how well versed you are and how you're able to comport yourself in all of these different media spaces. You've hosted um, mm -hmm. Black News Tonight on mm -hmm. Revolt. You've been on Fox News. Real Housewives, what do you see as your place in the culture and the industry as, and where do you see the evolution of it? Like, what is Ebony's dream situation? Mm. Like, what do you feel like your voice is used best? You've used it so many different places. I, I really like that first question, Van. I don't know that anyone's ever asked me so directly, what do I see my, my place really in this culture? Um, I, I know, actually, I had a spiritual awakening during COVID. Um, and I called my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, Christina Jackson Scott. And I said, it was like 
I don't know, 1.30 in the morning. And I said, bitch, thank you for answering the phone. And then I said, <laughs> and then I said, it's really nuts because in this moment, I know why I was born. Wow. And she's, she, right. She said, do tell. I was born and my life's work is centered around showing that black women, particularly black women, belong in every space. So oh. that is why, the, and, and we belong there on our terms. Yes. So we belong there. And now I want to be vulnerable and say that I didn't always know how to show up on my own terms because I hadn't had the maturity and the full evolution of confidence. And really yes. I wasn't fully emancipated, right? To be as free as you see me moving on Real Housewives of New York while I was at Fox News. Now I got a lot freer towards the end of my tenure at Fox. That's why you started really seeing the indictment of Trump around Charlottesville and talking very boldly about um, the uh, depreciating value of whiteness in American society and the fear that that is causing around white supremacy. Uh, that's why you heard me call Sheriff Clark's punk ass out when he tried to pretend like he didn't know who John Lewis was. That's yeah. when you heard me ask Brian Kemp while he was stealing an election actively, what the fuck is going on with the voter suppression <laughs> in your state, Mr. Secretary of State? You know, but that level of emancipation, freedom, and intention of taking up full space as a black woman came at the end. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why I do what I do in the way I do it. Where will I go next, y'all? I really don't know. It's it's really truly of, of God's will. But I know all I want to do, y'all, is make sure that I show it doesn't have to look one way. It doesn't, I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be uh the respectability politics that we think of the perfect black woman aesthetically or vocally. That's why I speak the way I speak. A lot of people give me a lot of shit because I've got a bit of a potty mouth, right? It's like, oh, why would such an educated um, intelligent young woman use uh, so many four-letter words because I fucking can because I earned the right hey. to say it Hey, because I get to say it how I want to say it because those are my terms and I won't be shamed um, into your respectability politic formula to present a certain way because that's what makes you comfortable which is really what Rachel was speaking to earlier I just heard my father's voice when you said that, mm. I no, I no, I feel you on what you say, but you know, you know how the judge we we had him on this show, yeah. how he sees, he'll be like, you need to stop saying that, you need to stop cursing so much. He tells me that, mm -hmm. he tells Van that mm -hmm. is all another thing, but I, I felt that I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt you, <laughs> I felt you in that moment. But you want to talk about what's next? The View. I know mm. everybody's asking you about that now. There's an open seat. They're circulating guest hosts. Would mm -hmm. you go on? How do we make this happen? Because I really think that you would be you would be great. Well, I I love you for saying that, Rachel. And obviously, you know, when I see women like yourself who have also occupied a seat at that at that historic table, it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see. Thank God, we're finally in 2021, right? Getting a little bit out of that tokenism, slave mentality that says there can only be the designated one or two women of color at the, ta mm -hmm. at the same table. You know, thank God we're, we're, you know, people are seeing that there is room enough for a scenario where there's me and, and the brilliant Sonny Hoskin at the table and the, the legendary Whoopi Goldberg at the table. Now, let's talk about the open seat. Uh, you know, it was occupied by my former colleague from Fox News, Megan McCain. Megan McCain is the very obvious and visible darling of the Republican establishment um, and came on with a very strong, really continued the legacy, right, of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hesselbeck's very strong conservative point of view. Mm -hmm. I'm not a partisan bitch. 
that's just not who I am. Um, you know, for better or for worse, I, I'm just not really in love with the partisanship of the work. So therefore, somebody was asking me the other day, Rachel, like, um, when you go on for your guest stint, will it be to, uh, in the voice of the Megan McCain GOP lens? I said, no, ma'am. And that's not any shade towards Megan. I'm only going on any platform I occupy in the voice and lens of Ebony K. Williams, mm-hmm. period. And that's a take it or leave it proposition. So I make yeah. no mistake about it. I'm not, you know, going to play it coy. The view is, is, is a dream job for me. I've, I have, uh, you know, been enthralled with what that platform means, what it means for our people since our sister in the law, Star Jones, debuted on the show 25 years ago. Shut I up, mean, yeah. it always meant something very special to me, y'all. Uh, particularly because Star, you know, she's my sorority sister, uh, Ski Oop to use uh, fellow sister Greek Rachel, um, to, to, to see her and her regalness, her uh, education, her aesthetic um, as a fuller figured black woman, it all just popped. So I would love the job, but, um, but I will never contort my point of view and my intellectual integrity for any job. So, yeah, I read that if they hire you, uh, on the view, and it was three black women that they're going to change the name of it to W D A. <laughs> <laughs> I read that they were because uh, I saw this article and it was you like so it was like it was going to be W. Yeah, w. yeah. So uh, last yeah. question I'll ask you is <laughs> last question I'll ask you is um, during the uh, pandemic, you talked about the fact that your relationship uh, came to an end. Uh, mm-hmm. your relationship came to an end and you said it was because you couldn't bear that your fiance had the fucking nerve to choose his children over you. Mm-hmm. That's what you... <laughs> you got it right. Yeah, go ahead. Ebony! Ebony! Hey. What? How in the world could you be mad that during a global pandemic Somebody chose their kids over their fiance. Like, it's just, it's the, okay. Do you, do, you, do you actually want an answer to the question? Absolutely. I, I want to hear it. Absolutely. Giggling and kicking and shit. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Yes. Right. Yes, please. All please. right. The answer, the answer is this. First of all, Brother Van, I was not mad. So you got me fucked up already. I was never mad. I want to be very clear. I was never mad. Uh It's not about being mad. What it's about is being a woman enough to have agency over what serves my needs and interests. I think it's very important that all adults in relationships get really clear on that. So you can make decisions accordingly. So what was clear to me during the pandemic, I was not I felt no way that the man wanted to spend time with his children during the pandemic. Of course that makes sense. But I had to acknowledge the gap between us when I was sick during the pandemic. And it's not about me being sick, but but I happened to at some point get COVID and, and really need some help. You know, uh, there was eight weeks where I was no oh, wow. smell, no taste. Damn. Yeah, r- really, but I actually have some long hauler syndrome of neck and back muscles. My point is, is I was uh, sick and shut in and I was in need. And in that moment of need, he was unavailable. I was by myself. So let me mm. not make it about him. It's not about him. It's about, I realized in that moment, I was alone. Mm. 
Mm. If I'm going to be alone and I'm not going to have someone who does love me be able to protect and care for me, that's not a marriage that I can sign up for for a life. Ah, you know? that makes perfect and sense. You Hell see what yeah. I'm saying, sister? Right. So it's not about being mad at him for his choice. This man had children when he met me. I'm right. very clear about that. It's just that the circum and listen, this is the that y'all catching the back end of a three and a half year relationship. Trust me, there was a whole lot of other shit that went on it. Yeah. to lead to this. But that was when it was like my aha moment, where it's like, yeah. okay, Ebony, if you commit the rest of your life to this man, you will never be his priority. And the only reason I would have expected otherwise is in a perfect world, it's never that I wanted to be more important than his children, y'all. Don't ever under misunderstand that man. It's that I would have hoped that my partner, the man that he was, would have demonstrated the leadership to create an, an environment where his the love of his life, his, his wife, fiance wife, and his children could all coexist. Right. That's, that, that's how that should his leadership skills, had they been better, would have been able to say to his 2018 and 13 year old son, hey, guys, I'm your father. I'm going to always be your father. You will never want for a thing in this world as long as I have life in my body. What is also true is that this woman over here is a woman that I love and I am bringing her into our family as a protector and a provider in tandem with you. And we will create a broader sense of family and I, your father, have enough love and resources to go around. Now, if that had happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. But in the absence of that, and he can only do what he can do. So I'm not mad about it. It's a capacity issue there. Because the capacity was lacking there for that type of leadership, which was my need. That's not every other woman's needs. It's plenty of women out here that's like, bitch, you're tripping. Of course, you're going to come third, fourth, fifth, or sixth behind the job. The kids. That's fine for those women, y'all. It's just not fine for me. That's all. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't be fine for me either. Fuck them. Last question yeah. I have. <laughs> it would. I could, I, it would not. Last question I have. Will you come back to the Real Housewives of New York? You know, I've been cagey about that question, Rachel, but I think it's important that I now be honest in my own realization because it just kind of came to the cancellation of the reunion actually makes me want to come back more so because oh, okay. now I feel I have a little unfinished business, if you know what I mean. Yes. And I want to finish what I started, not by continuing to, because the, the dossier is closed. I'm actually really glad that we had what should be an exclusive media savvy interview conversation here because you know i concluded my investigation season one um i've been able to make a determination as to where the players fall and that file was closed and now that i know where everybody is we can all move on um mm. and i'm looking forward i would look forward to a season of fun and getting the hell out of this covid lockdown that we were in during new york yeah while we feel i I want a real trip. Shit, that shit from Salem, that wasn't cutting it. No, okay? that's that, uh, no. And, and, <laughs> Salem, Massachusetts, and Ramona's fucking house. No, no, I want a real trip. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Love that, because we want to see you back on our television screens. And I'm going to come on as a friend of. I just want to start shit. I just want to start shit. Girl, just <laughs> take me to the Hamptons. Right on, 
Rachel, you've got to mosey your way from LA right on conveniently over here in Manhattan, girls. We can have a kiki. I, you know, I love bringing black women on the show to film with me. Yeah, you were you were great about that. You know, yeah, and it's very it was it was important because I wanted to show, and I know that you were talking about this on The Bachelor too, The Bachelorette. We're not unicorns, Rachel. You know, people will see a Rachel (laughs) Lindsay, or they'll see me, or they'll see you know, other queens in the industry um, and Amanda Seals or Angela, and they think we're unicorns, right? Like there's right. only that one special negress. No. She made it. Van- we're not, Van- right? Wait, no, we come from a tribe of incredible, beautiful, I mean, we're both sorority girls. Like every, every black woman I know is the shit. Exactly. And so it's important that people see that. That's the show. Wait, Van, one of the what? one of the housewives, one of the housewives said, I stayed up all night reading about EJ Walker. Oh and- my God. <laughs> <laughs> the first black woman millionaire. Aren't I- See how committed I am. I said, bitch, who was EJ? Ebony politely like, Walker. Walker. Ebony's like, CJ. Ebony's like, CJ. And then she got mad at me. And all of my, my mom, by the way, Rachel, thank you for bringing this up real quick before we go. My mom, that is my mom's funniest season moment of all time. Because mm-hmm. then she was like, and then when you were like, Ramona, I just want you to get it right because I know you're going to go to the Hamptons and brag to your friends about your Black history knowledge. <laughs> and I want you to preserve the integrity mm-hmm. of what you learned. That's right. what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> Ebony. Yes, we sir. are so thrilled to have had yes. you join us on Highland. This was really fun. This what was a great, what y'all. a what a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Uh we're gonna watch as you uh fill that seat on the view. And hopefully you're there. I think that you just have one of the most unique, one of the strongest one of the most uh, unfiltered voices out there. You know, I fucked with you for a long time. So yeah. uh, I can't wait to see what's next. You got a real strong file, man. I fucks with you too, bro. <laughs> Rachel, right here. You just created mine, but that's okay. We about it's, to fill up. We gonna again, fill it up. Shut up. Shut up. Thank you so much bye for bye. coming. Fantastic. I'm I'm so happy we had her on. I'm I'm such a fan. I think everybody knows that. I think she's fabulous. I, I I'm literally gonna hang out with her in New York. Next time I go, I'm hitting her up. We're gonna kick yeah. it. I want to see like a whole buddy movie with y'all. Adventures of of Rachel and Ebony in the city. Adventure of Ra- Adventures of Rachel and Ebony in the city. The the ski oops. The ski oops. The ski oops. Oh no, I got a better one. No, it's better. This okay. is better. Right. The oopskies. Appreciate that. Oopskies, yeah. Appreciate yeah. you giving yeah, it. On. Give us gotta, first yeah. billing. Uh, gotta do that. You, know, <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys took a loss with the whole vice president thing. I want to make sure that, you know, I look out for my deltas. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> now to the wild world of movies. Daniel Craig, you know who that is? Yes, I know who that is. Just making sure. Just making sure you know, because sometimes I'll be like, yo, y'all be like, yo, man, Tom Cruise. And then you'd be like, I've never seen him. What was he? (laughs) Okay, Uh, I'm not that bad. (laughs) Okay. Daniel Craig, who plays James Bond, uh, came under a little fire because he says that he doesn't think a woman should play James Bond in the uh, James Bond series going forward. So this Mm -hmm. is what the deal is. So now Mm -hmm. people are looking at James Bond as an, as an opportunity to democratize 
James Bond. James Bond has always been played by a white male. You're hearing okay. all kinds yes. of stuff out there now. You're hearing the possibility of Def Patel as as James Bond. You're hearing mm-hmm. Idris Elba as James Bond. You're mm-hmm. hearing Bond from all over different types of situations, right? Uh, and there's also been some talk about maybe making a woman James Bond. He was asked about this, Daniel Craig, who's played James Bond now for a while, in an interview with the Radio Times. Um, and he said, the answer to that is very simple. There should be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond mm-hmm. for a woman? Mm-hmm. That view echoes comments made by that view echoes comments made by Bond franchise executive producer Barbara Broccoli. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Do y'all, her name is Barbara. That got to be Broccoli. That's what? got to be Broccoli. Just call her Broccoli. Nah, man. Broccoli. I, I'm not trying to saute. Is it spelled like a broccoli? human being? I don't know how you spell broccoli. It's B R O C C O L I. Is that broccoli or is broccoli with two? How, Donnie? How do you spell broccoli? No, it's two C's and one L. That's. I bet you it's. Oh no! It, I bet you it's broccoli. I bet okay. you it's broccoli. It can. <laughs> It's gotta be. It's gotta be Broccoli, man. Barbara Broccoli. It's gotta be Broccoli. It's gotta be Broccoli. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Bro- she probably. It probably is Broccoli, and she says Broccoli just like um, when I was growing up, there was somebody whose last name was spelled a certain way, and he would mm-hmm. tell people it was Faget, but that's not <laughs> what it was. Uh, <laughs> that's not what it was. There was once a uh, uh, um. There was once a Saturday Night Live sketch about a guy who was always mad about names. He was mad about all the the names that he could name his kid. His wife kept giving him names for the kid. And he was like, oh, no, that sucks. He was getting super mad about the names. And then when a guy delivered a package to his door at the end of the sketch, because he didn't know why he was going so crazy over all of these names, the guy delivers a package to him and he says, yes, we have a, a package for Mr. Asswipe Johnson. And he, goes, he says, no, my name is Asweepe. <laughs> It's Azuipe. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, so anyway, uh, she said, she's a, a franchise executive producer, Miss Broccoli. She said, Bond is a male. He's a male character. He was written as a male, and I think he'll probably stay as a male. And that's fine. We don't have to turn male characters to women. Let's just create more female characters and make the story fit those female characters. That's what she said. Do you care about Bond? Do you are you aware of the distinct maleness of Bond? Where do you stand on this issue, Rachel? So this won't be shocking to anyone. I've never seen a James Bond movie. Not one. Not one. Fucking amazing. But I'm sorry, dog. That hold on. Let's stay there for one second. No. That is actually fucking impressive. Why? Them, them shits go back to like 1962 or something. Well, I'm definitely not starting there. I, those are some of the best ones. Like you've never look, let me ask no, you. No, but I know the people ha, who play Bond. I know. Have you I ever know just Pierce caught Brosnan, one? I know Sean Connery. I know Great. Daniel. Cr- I know who they are because have you ever just figure. caught? You ever just caught one? You ever just never. like it's on? Never. God damn! How? Never. How could I change the channel? I, there, gotcha. I'm not, I don't have a desire to, but I know. My point being is, I've never. You understand seen a movie, what it means in, in culture? But I yes. understand. The the iconic figure that is James Bond. I just right. named you three, and I don't know how many there've been, but I named you three. All, like there's him, and then there's a George Lazenby. There's uh, uh, Tim- not Timothy Dalton was James Bond. 
Um, and then there's Roger Moore. So there are a couple of more, but you got the, you got the okay. main ones that people Yeah. Know. Yeah. I've gotten the ones of my time and the original. Yeah. And the right? original, Sean Connery. Yeah. So I know who that person is. I don't have a problem with this because I think the way that the, 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 the question was answered is saying that some James Bond is a guy and that is what this figure represents. And it's not saying that you can't have a James Bond-like figure, but create a different movie, create a different franchise, and let and create roles that give women these opportunities. But I just don't, I personally don't understand the purpose of wanting to change the figure of James Bond. I, I just don't. Now, if this was if James Bond was the only movie that has ever been made in life. And you could only, the only movie role available for you was to play James Bond. Then yeah, it would need, they would need to have it for women as well. So everybody could do it. But there are other opportunities. And I don't understand why you need to change who James Bond is when you can just create roles for women to have just as big, if not even bigger than what James Bond represents in pop culture. I understand your point and I tend to agree. Can I give you the counter argument and see if it maybe sways you? Please. So the counter argument is this. This is basically the counter argument. They're not going to go see that shit. So this, so this is, this, this would be the counter argument. The counter argument would be, okay, so James Bond, Superman, Batman, uh, fucking who else, whoever you want to kind of make up. Oh. Spider-Man, all of these, all of these guys were created during the time where there was no diversity in making these 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 mm-hmm. heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And so then what happens is when you write these heroes uh in their you know initial incarnations, they become huge and then they take up so much space in pop culture. Like Superman takes up so much space in pop culture that a character that is like Superman is actually a name for him. A character that's like Superman that has the same powers is called a Superman analog. So if you have a guy like uh, Hyperion or the Sentry or in any other, all the other universes have guys who fly, are invulnerable, have heat vision, can move really fast, all of those. Those guys are called Superman analogs. And it will always be compared to Superman. Mm -hmm. So as many other characters as you invent, whether they're male or female or whatever, Superman has a distinct advantage over them because he has a cultural and um, actually like chronological head start. Therefore, you can't really change that culture without in some way changing that character. So when people say James Bond to me is a distinctly male character, I don't think the character works as well as a female because he was written too distinctly male. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't change Black Panther and make him from Scotland because too much of who Black Panther is is steeped in the history of Wakanda. I typically, I, I think that James Bond as a female character is a completely different character and, it's a different it, and it probably movie. Yeah. Does, probably doesn't work. However, what people would say would be like, hey, you can't do a female James Bond movie. Number one, they've tried it. They've done movies like Salt with Angela Jolie and Julie Jolie. And they did a movie uh, recently called The Rhythm Section. That was a little bit of a, it wasn't exactly a James Bond movie. Charlize Theron had a movie. And these movies aren't going to be the same as James Bond because these movies are, in effect, copying James Bond. They're films that are uh, that are breathing the same oxygen as James Bond. And the only way to really usher in a new era in that genre of film would be to give the face 
of that genre of film a facelift. So if you have a, a, a black James Bond or an Indian James Bond or a woman James Bond, that that goes a lot further than just making up a character that nobody is going to view as Bond um, and then putting them out there to try to compete with something that's like like almost 100 years old, like that, that came out a long, long time ago. And that in and of itself is the reason why they want to do this because they're trying to like get to the root of all of it. What would you say to that? I just think if you put a woman in there, it changes the whole movie. You're right about you're right about that. You're, and I just that and I, I understand what you're saying. Like nothing compares when you've got a head start of almost what half a century of James Bonds, however long it's been out. I think the forties, maybe. Ian okay, Fleming. yeah. I think the forties, so even longer than maybe that. the fifties, maybe the fifties. So yeah, yeah, it's got a head start, but I just think. You know, because it's like if you put a, if you if you do change, if you put a woman there and, and then it changes the character and it changes, I guess, James Bond. Do you keep it a woman? What? Like, I, I don't I, I guess there's just so many questions to it. My thing is just I get it and it makes sense to me with the head start thing, but it's a totally different movie. Mm. And so that's why I'm like, just call it something else. Just right. start now. Let's start the hunt the, the new hundred years now. Okay. I'm with it. <laughs> you know? I yeah. guess that's just how I look at it because and I'm not saying that that's the case for everything, you know, but there's just some roles that that is I don't think it's being I don't think it's discrimination for James Bond to stay a man. I just don't. I don't think it's discrimination and I do think that there are certain aspects of his character uh that are distinctly male that you fund my this is my thing i don't have any problem with changing any characters or updating characters as long as the it doesn't fundamentally change the character it really doesn't fundamentally change james bond's story to make him black or indian it fundamentally no. changes his story to, it's a different character right funded i'll be honest i'll give you another one i don't think batman could be black why i think superman might be able to be black and even that's a stretch why can't ba batman be black because of his like, dad, we like that's he's got a lot of privilege. Think about think about what Batman really is. Batman really Superman is a so 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 Superman is a white so Superman is a comic book character's white privilege wet dream. Mm -hmm. Batman is a comic book character's white privilege aspiration. You can't be Superman, so you just dream about being him. You want to think you can be Batman, meaning you want to think that you can be a master of a universe that out of great sort of tragedy, Batman essentially wants to control all the crime in this city. When I say control it, he wants to get rid of it, but at the same time, he's got, he uses money, influence, and determination. Money, influence, and determination to control things in Gotham City he doesn't like. That is a distinctly European way of looking at the world. Mm. That that's like it's not that Batman's not going out there. And, you know point. the Wayne the the Wayne Foundation does a lot of stuff, but Batman's like, let me build gadgets, run around at night, and beat the shit out of people till they do that's the right a, thing. That's a good point. I feel like the podcast is drifting into Ringerverse territory. Very true. Very so true. Let's get back. back. Let's back. get bring back <laughs> next. Okay, I'm sorry. I would like to unpack that on the Ringerverse though. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I agree with you though about the Batman thing though. Uh, so here's the deal. Two questions on social media. We're going to hit these real quick. All right. 
there was this ridiculous tweet that was made. All right. It was tweeted. And it was like, who is the bigger star? Because one of these questions, I'm going to ask you two questions. One of these questions, I think, is a totally disrespectful question. The other one, I think there's an argument. Okay. First question, who's the bigger star, Drake or Michael Jackson? That was asked. (laughs) (laughs) These kids. These kids are wacky. Entertain an MJ discussion on this. Drake yeah. is great. There's no disrespect to Drake. Michael's out of this world. Michael's, Michael's the biggest pop human. star in the history of all this. It's shit. insulting to even continue a dialogue surrounding this question. So, like a hundred million albums on one album. It's like, <laughs> like it's nuts, guys. It's like it's like it's like a crazy thing. Michael, it's not. Come on, man. Michael like, Jackson. Thanks for the laughs. We <laughs> get out of here. If I was Drake, I would be mad. I'll be mad at the question. Yeah, we need all, to hear all, from him. Yeah, he should speak yeah, out. Yeah, because all, all it really does is it makes us then go forth to minimizing Drake. Because Drake is a fucking gigantic, massive star. But Michael Michael Jackson is a fucking planet. He's a solar system of stars. He's the biggest fucking star that there ever was in that sense. Yeah, so that's one. he's out of okay. this world. Come on, now, come on. This is the second one. Mm-hmm. This is one that I entertained on my Twitter until the beehive straight fucking sting you every time sting you every time straight fucking punked me oh wait so this has to do with Beyonce who's bigger Drake or Beyonce you entertain this see to me this is one that can be entertained so I'm not in the beehive but even Uh I have to say this it's by far Beyonce by Be- far? Beyonce's on another level. Because, see, Beyonce's to the point where she's mysterious. She rarely makes appearances. We wonder about her. We don't right. do that about Drake. Beyonce doesn't, it doesn't like, come down to the level of everyone. You don't see her out and about like that. Beyonce's, like, on another level. Like, Drake, Drake's on a feature with, like, everybody. Yeah, Beyonce, but that's part, but that's, Beyonce that's part of the reason. Never. No, that's Beyonce the- would never. Drake starts frivolous feuds with people. Beyonce would never. Uh, see, this is okay? not bigger though. This Drake is, this discusses is... his exes in songs. <laughs> Even uses their voices against their will. Beyonce would never. Right? Right? Drake's always talking about who he wants to date. Almost like he's like begging for some attention. Beyonce would never. Right? She made a whole oh, album about her relationship issues. Tr- she made an album about her personal life. I said, Drake is like begging, like, I want to date this person. I want to talk to this person. It's like he's shooting his shot with people, okay? Beyonce okay. would never. True, Beyonce true, never. true, true. Other true. artists come for Drake. Ain't nobody coming from Beyonce. Nobody would ever come for Beyonce. Well, Drake, not after Drake one trolls did. people. Drake trolls people. Beyonce would never. See, like, but she you're not... she, she, she would never stoop down to these, to these, these things. You're, all of these things are right, and I'm so happy that you came prepared. But my thing is, you're... Listing reasons that Beyonce is more uh, highbrow, elegant, respected, but if you're talking about who's bigger, it's but, let me ask you a question. She, let, she doesn't do these things because question. she's bigger. Let me ask you a question. Who would you think has sold more records, Drake or Beyonce? Who would I think has sold more records? Are we including Destiny's Child? No, you're, we're talking about the solo careers of these people. But beyond it's. 
it's Beyonce and Destiny's Child. No, it's not. It's Destiny's Child. It's like, like it's David about... Ruffin and the Temptations. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Somewhere Kelly Rowland just went, shit, who no, hit I me? Love Ke- I love Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams. But no, in all seriousness, I think you have to include Destiny's Child. No, you don't. You don't. It's, no, you don't include it. It's a no, solo, because it's then a you're, you're cutting. Artist. No, then you're cutting Beyonce's career short. You're cutting the legs off her career. That's not fair. Her career That's started in 2003. That's not fair. No, it did not. Her career started solo with Destiny's artist. Child. No, nope. it, I'm not. That's com- not okay, I, here's well, the thing. I, then be, I say Beyonce, and I'm including Destiny's Child. But you can't include Destiny's Child. You're cutting her career short. <laughs> You're cutting her career short. You're cutting her career cut, short. We're talking about the record sold as a solo act. No, you made that rule up. You said that, no, how no, no, many no. records no, no, has no. Beyonce sold? She was a part of Destiny. She sold them records with Destiny's Child. I'm sorry. But fine. Is your point going to be, since her career started in 2003, you're going to say Drake sold more than her? Fine. No. So look, first of all, I'm not even arguing anymore. Listen, when I say I'm not arguing it, I'm really saying, hey, leave me the fuck alone. I'm saying <laughs> I'm not arguing it. Okay. I don't want to have the argument. What I'm saying is, there. while there is, I can't imagine a metric where Drake is a bigger deal than Michael Jackson. And there might be one. There might be one. Maybe Drake has more number ones or something or whatever. I'm not sure. Uh, I know he hasn't get, didn't get his first number one until a couple years ago, but I'm not sure. Streaming changes everything. There at least That's is true. a there there at least is a metric where Drake is a bigger artist than Beyonce. Like a definitive metric. Mm-hmm. And Drake was just given artist of the decade by the billboard. He just won that. And so so, so what I'm saying is that there's at least uh, I'm not saying that he's bigger than Beyonce. Yes, Please he's a leave big artist. He's what a I'm big saying artist. Is, what I'm saying is there's at least an argument that Drake is bigger than Beyonce right now. No. Okay. Hey, and I, and I she's right. She's right. Don't fucking come for me. That's what he's I was scared. Just having, he's scared. He I really just, wants. He really believes. Yeah. No, you guys. He's just scared. No, I, of the I really beehive. don't. No, 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 no. I really don't. People made a lot of good points when I when we were talking. People made a lot of good points. The best point is the seventy five year old grandmother test, which I did. My grandma's a little older now. I was like, hey, um, Momo, what's your favorite Drake song? She's like, now who that now? <laughs> Drake. What what he sing? And I gave her a couple songs, and she knew the songs. But when I said Drake, uh. I didn't, she I didn't, she didn't know. I said, now what's your favorite Beyonce song? She goes, I like them all. I like single ladies. I like, uh-oh. I like, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> 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 um, all right. Um, Mailbag? We, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was looking, I was looking around to see if there's anything else. There's, we got like a million things on a rundown today, but the reality is that oh, I do want to touch on one thing before we leave. There's in in no way are we turning our um our attention away from what's happening uh, in Texas right now. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing about Texas before we leave. A uh, little bit of a lighter episode. I want to talk. There's one thing I want to talk about with Texas. Look, we were all happy to remove Donald Trump. Everybody was happy to remove Donald Trump. Everyone. Everyone was happy that probably listened to this podcast. We were happy to remove Donald Trump. I just want to remind people of something right now. Donald Trump is not the president. Mm-hmm. He's not. The things in the Trump administration have carried over to this administration. This is a tough situation for, for any politician, any administration to deal with. 
These are people that are coming from a place and they're looking to better their lives. And they're looking to actually, in some cases, have lives. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, a compassionate way that they have to be dealt with. And we have to care about those lives. And we have to, like I said before, we have to care about our role in the destabilization of Haiti and then uh, Haiti's situation right now, not just us as in the United States, the world community, the, the role that they've played. Sonny Hostin was amazing on this, on The View. I don't know if you saw, she talked mm-hmm. about it very passionately mm-hmm. about that. But I'm telling you guys right now that if you don't like what's happening at the border in Texas, if you don't like how people are being treated, if you don't like how people are living there, the conditions, where the women, how how women on their periods and that are pregnant are being handled, whether or not people are bathing, if pe- if in fact people are being run down on from horseback, like they are either cattle today, or human beings in eighteen forty. If you don't like that, the buck stops one place, and I know you guys don't want to hear this, but it stops in walking distance from where I'm at, where I am right now, at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. And the the people who are accountable, not saying that they created the problem, but it is their job to solve it. Right. So there could be no kid gloves for the Biden administration. There could be no kid gloves for Kamala Harris. No kid gloves for Simone. No kid kid gloves for any of the operatives that told us who to vote for. Did we get out the guy that we wanted to get out? Yeah, but it still remains to be seen whether or not we have the guy in there that we actually need. Yeah, and this these situations that have been that the Biden administration has been hit with, talking about the Delta variant, talking about Afghanistan, talking about this. This is what the fucking job is. And I would be lying to you guys if I told you I thought they were doing a great job right now. Yeah, I think it's subpar. So. And I'm not going to I don't want to you guys going to accuse me of doing the work for Fox News and not being this and all no, of that. But- I don't think. No, I don't think that. I think that, you know, in the la- on last episode, we talked about Fox News because I happened to be watching it. And but we you talked about you, you, you briefly talked about Biden and his administration. I said there's there's still got there's still issues with the way the Biden administration is handling it. I don't think that's doing the work for Fox News. That's calling it like it is. Who's in it? It's it's the policies from the Trump administration. But the Biden administration has. <laughs> OK, I'm you guys. Sorry. OK, I'm you sorry. guys. OK. This is not a laughing matter. We are not laughing at what what the issue is. But if you're watching this on video, you saw that Van decided to take a sip of water um, and he missed his mouth completely. (laughs) No, actually, what happened was I tried to take a sip of water and the cap was still on the water. (laughs) Oh, I I tried to take a sip. And then it dribbled down. Okay, I saw the dribble. Right, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at the issue, but see, this is why. Don't stop. Don't drink. Don't drink. People don't like when we drink and eat on the podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. And that's case in point. (laughs) But no, 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 no. I don't. All I'm saying this all to say, I don't think people are going to accuse you of doing, you know, the work of the conservative side or you know the Trumpers or anything like that. It is what it is. What's happening is unacceptable and. We need to see things done immediately by what's happening uh, or with Biden's administration, not just Biden, Kamala too. Kamala too. And by the way, in the meantime, do what you can. Uh, Go to different people's Instagrams, um, 
you know, Jesse Wu's doing a lot of stuff on this. Uh, she did a conversation with Jamal Bryant earlier. Very informative. Go to different people's Instagrams. Uh, look around and see what you can do to get money directly, get funds directly to the people who need them. Okay, let's go to mailbag. Jamal Bryant. Yeah, Jamal Bryant was on there. The minister? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mailbag. First question. Let's do it. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. From Ladybird610. What were your first experiences like with social media and how old were you? I had College Club. Wow. Never even heard of it. Yeah, it was College Club. Okay. ZCP001 at College Club. Wow. I, I, I've never heard of it. I tried to fight social media as long as I could. Did I you? actually got on Facebook on a dare. And I might have had a MySpace, but... I had a MySpace, yeah. Maybe that. I definitely had AIM and all of that kind of stuff. Messenger, if mm -hmm. that counts. But Facebook was the real thing. MySpace, in a lot of ways, was superior to Facebook, if I'm being honest. Okay. Top eight come on there music plays all of that but i had college club and then college club was a, there was a scandal in baton rouge in college club it's the first time i ever witnessed revenge porn oh wow a guy was mad at his girlfriend the girl that we knew mm -hmm. and he changed his college club picture to uh he changed her college club picture actually to a picture of her giving him oral sex and that kind of that that was the that was that the, was the that end was, that was the end <laughs> And it was very bad. It was a whole big thing. Very bad. Wow. Shame on you. Shame wow. on you for doing that. Uh, okay. Uh, next one. From Megastosin. Mega, Megastosin. If you could have one talent in the world, oh, we've what would answered, it be? We've answered that. Uh, we've, done oh, uh, we've done it. Mine would be flipping. Uh, thank you for that question. Moving on to one of them. What would it be? From Blinner126. If you could host any Bravo reunion... Which show would you pick? Below Potomac. Decks. You watch that? Yeah. Or did you just name it? Really? That's the one Bravo show. See, there's two types of people that watch Bravo. That's the mm -hmm. one I don't watch. I change. I change my mind. Okay. Real Housewives of Potomac for me. Million dollar listing, baby. Which city? I uh, I like I like New York. I got to be honest with you. I love those fucking guys. You like Frederick? Frederick is He's the awesome. fucking man. He's Frederick awesome. is the guy, man. It's crazy. Awesome. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's keep going. Go. From Cassie, etc. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Uh, it was just, it's not ever, but I can tell you about the nicest thing. I was just watching something that I saw over on Our Thought Warriors. The most popping thing Reddit that's ever lived. The Reddit with the nicest butt is our <laughs> thought warriors. Go over there. I saw this guy who does this what are you listening to thing, and it was in Harvard. And he got this girl, and he was like, uh, he was, you know, he, he goes around, he goes, what are you listening to? And then he takes the music, and he puts it in there, and he asks this girl who's walking down the street at Harvard, he's like, what are you listening to? And she goes, I'm listening to a podcast. It's called Higher Learning. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. It was really dope. I'll send it to you. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I, didn't I love send it that to you. the Thought Warriors caught that. You they guys are it. awesome. Yeah, you I really didn't send are it to the you. most popping Reddit group out there. I sent it to Bill Simmons. You I'm sent like, it to look. Bill and not me? I'm like, look, we out here. Yes, for Rays. Got to keep the bag flowing. <laughs> All right. No, uh, what's your, what... I, I actually love hearing about Thought Warriors in the wild. Um, compliment? That's a great compliment. Uh, I would just say, I don't know if it's the best, but I always love when, like, I feel like my world has changed so much, and I feel like it has in the last four years. And I love when my friends from home, and it, you know what they said it the most is with this podcast, feel like, I'm still true to who I am, like the person before any of this, any TV, any podcast, any any anything like that. When they're like, I, I don't feel like you changed at all. You're still the exact same person. And they say that the most when they listen to me on Higher Learning. That's so, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you don't want to. I hate, I hate that you change shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they hear it, nigga. All <laughs> right, uh, last one. From Anna Karen Smith, Sharon. Do you physically wash your feet or do you just let the soapy water run over them? Anna, you white. <laughs> we wash our feet. Death. We I wash love you to our death, feet. Anna. Anna, I love you. I don't want you to be upset. I know you're white. And let me tell you why you're asking this question. Because you know that you need to get your ass down there and wash your motherfucking feet. You know. But you know, culturally, it hasn't been something that's been really stressed. And you're wondering, hey, do they know something over there? Do they know something? We do. Wash your feet. We do. Anna, I love you. When I say I love you, if we had a shirt right now for asking this question, for bearing your soul with us, I would give you a shirt. Anna Karen Smith. You don't want to be your middle name, Anna. <laughs> we wash, wash our feet. feet. We wash, wash our feet. feet. I used to have a homie, shout out to Terrell, Terrell Brown, who used to always say he didn't trust people who did not wash their feet in the shower. Wash them. We want to trust you. Wash your Anna, feet in the shower. We love you. Wash your feet. All right. Uh, that's enough. It's over. Uh, it's over. We've been giving you guys some supersized podcasts lately. Uh, next podcast we give you probably going to be like 105. Maybe even come in at a taut 59 minutes. Uh, do you have an unexpected ally of the week? No. I did. You did. And I, and I, and I, because I find them earlier in the week and then I, I lose them. Sorry, guys. I have one. You do? Yes. Go ahead. It's actually Alex Jones. Who? Alex Jones. The InfoWars guy. You know what? It was a fucking joke, but you don't know who Alex Jones is? You don't fuck with Like, you never heard of Alex Jones, the InfoWars dude? He was in Austin. InfoWars. Alex Jones. InfoWars. You know, the whole thing was a joke, and the joke didn't land because you don't know who Alex Jones is. Just Alex like Jones, this isn't landing? The crazy <laughs> conspiracy theory dude. InfoWars, uh, an American far-right conspiracy theory and fake news website owned by Alex. Did he do something recently? No! I was just <laughs> joking around. The fucking podcast is over. Uh, like, like, keep your pod- <laughs> keep your thinking caps on, but do not stop learning. Uh, I fuck Alex Jones and everybody who fucks with him. Uh, I am Van Lathan Jr. <laughs> I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We out. <laughs>